Happy Friday, you Mavericks. I am happy it's Friday, even though I feel like all the days of the week kind of blend together right now. Um, but I'm still really excited because we've got an amazing guest. Jamie Sarche of Feldman Mortuary is going to be with us to talk about how we kind of deal with this grieving process, whether it's about losing your loved one, your job, or maybe you're just feeling trapped right now because I think we're all a little stir crazy with a lot of these stay at home orders. So we're going to dive deep into how we can give some tools and tips to, to kind of work through these situations. But before we do that, we've got a great message from our sponsor, Serenity Engage, who's going to talk about the benefit of using their HIPAA compliant app. So as you know, Serenity Engage is a HIPAA compliant app that is making a priority to work with senior living communities to help share information on their application so that families can get information even though they might not physically be able to be there with their loved one. So check it out, serenityapp.com to learn more about their amazing free three-month offer and also how they can help you stay connected to your loved one who's living in a senior living community. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to the ever popular Catherine Wells, who is our chief inspiration maverick. I feel like you have a thesaurus there and you just pick a new word for me. I'm trying to get creative here. I'm trying to have a little bit of, you know, a little fun with it because, you know, it, it feels like we're all kind of serious all the time right now. Yeah, well, and this is this is going to be a heavy topic for us today. Yes. Um, so we have to have a little bit of levity, but also real compassion. So I'm just going to dive right in. Um, Jamie, it is so great to have you on our show today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk to both of you. Yeah. And you do so much in our industry, especially here in Denver, but also mm -hmm. I know nationwide and you have an amazing TED talk. Um, yes. There's so much around this idea of death right now. And Along with that is grieving and grieving is such a, an important thing to talk about because it's not just grieving if someone passes, it's grieving if you lost your job yeah. or you've lost your footing because you don't have that structure in place that you used to have. So we're going to talk about all of those things. If you're in our audience today, we encourage you to please ask questions. Let us know you're out there. Tell us where you're calling in from. We want to talk to you and we want to hear from you. Um, Jamie's here to answer your questions, so definitely post those in the comments. So Jamie, can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and your background and how you got to this place in life? Absolutely, thank you so much for asking. Um, so I have been the director of pre-planning at Feldman Mortuary in Denver for 11 years, and everybody says, how did you get into that? So what I do now is I help people put their own funeral and memorial service plans in place, hopefully decades before they need it, um, which really gives their loved ones a path to walk on in their bereavement. So I've been spending the last 11 years trying to help people to understand that mortality is a reality and that none of us know when that's gonna happen. And we really just have to acknowledge that it is going to happen. What's been so interesting now is I feel like we've all literally been smacked in the face with 
the reality of mortality. And we have spent our entire lives and our whole society trying to ignore it. And so it is really just rocking um, the basis on which everybody stands. It's really like the legs have been taken out from under us. And um, I think that all of us are really facing so much loss, so much fear, so much grief. And because we're a society that just says, oh, you know, you get a couple days to deal with that and then you've got to get back to normal. We don't know how to do this very well. And no. it's going to be a big lesson for all of us. Do you think it's also compounded with the stay at home orders and these restrictions that are being placed on people that they, you know, I, my mom and I have some pretty interesting discussions uh, about this because she's part of that kind of where I am uh, kind of that kid telling mom to stay home a little bit more, be really careful mm -hmm. what you're doing type thing. Cause they're in their sixties. Um, but I think she doesn't know. She, she feels everything's taken away and this is just, you know, and, and I understand where she's coming from, but I kind of told her she's got to grieve through that, like accept that you're losing the ability to maybe go see us or see your grandkids out of state, you know, some of those things. And it seems to be really hard to, to acknowledge that I'm grieving that. Yeah, um, I think that's absolutely true. But let's really talk about what grief is. And most of us, because we have learned nothing about grief other than maybe we learned a little bit in ninth grade psychology um, from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. So most of us believe that there are stages of grief. We believe that they are linear and you go from, you know, I can't remember what order they're written in, but you go from anger to bargaining to denial to whatever you know, whatever order, and eventually you get to acceptance and then you're done. Right. So if you think it's this straight line, it's not a straight line. In fact, if you don't mind, I'd love to share my screen and show you what it really is. Please. So get that for you. Yeah, please do. Yeah, um, you're right. I remember learning those different stages and talking with people about the various stages of grieving and, um, and what that might look like. And I'm, I'm anxious so to see your screen. Oh, oh shoot, we're not sharing it. We have a <laughs> laugh. Uh, Jamie, what, what, are you on our website, Jamie, or is this on your actual? Uh-oh. All right, that may not work. So I want to say hi to Josh from Seattle. Thanks for listening. And Taylor from Colorado. You guys are the best. Thank hey, you. Hey, Taylor. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, we got Josh from Seattle as well, too. Little little love for both of them. So Heck yeah. Are we back, Jamie? Um, oh, yeah. Now you're back. Now yeah. we're back. All right. Um, is it a website or is it on your desktop that you're trying to share right now? No, it's on my desktop. Here, oh, now yeah. I can share it with you. Okay. It might be the uh, bandwidth of sharing, so maybe we can just post it in the notes. Post it in the notes, yeah. It looks like the bandwidth might now. It might be everyone seems to be streaming live right now, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we got Michelle also watching from New York. So Michelle, oh, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. We had Michelle on recently. Yeah. Jamie, are you back? Oh, hi, Michelle. 
Michelle. I'm here. I can hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, we're good now. Yeah, we're back. So yeah. we're going to share that document after in our show notes because for whatever the reason is, it doesn't look like it wants to cooperate with us right now. So good old technical difficulties in, a, in this ever-changing uh, environment. So, oh. And we lost Jamie. We lost Jamie. <laughs> She'll be back. Yeah. So, so Josh, we had Josh on recently. We, we had Michelle on recently. So fun to see you guys. Thanks for joining us. Ask your questions of Jamie. Uh, Michelle, it sounds like you know Jamie, so even better. I know Taylor posted a question. So when, when Jamie gets back, we will um, answer those questions. And it looks like I'm frozen now as well, too. Yeah, well, it's a Friday afternoon. Everybody's yeah. like streaming. What is it, Tiger King or some weird thing? Probably. That streaming. I'm, I, I'm hardwired in, so I'm going to try to pop out and see if I can get Jamie back in here. So let me see if I can get Jamie back on here. All right. Sounds good. I will entertain. I wish I, I wish I could see you guys. Someone tell me a joke or something. So <laughs> this is the first time we've actually had these kinds of technical difficulties with our Facebook Live. And it's kind of fun because here we are just dealing with it as we go. Right, I'm going to resend the link to Jamie. See if we can get her back in there. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Josh. <laughs> Thank you for saving me here. <laughs> you're good. You're good. You, can, you know, you've been taking the improv class, haven't you? I have. And yeah. so I'll talk about that. It's been amazing. So mm -hmm. I, I joined an improv class a while back, just before COVID hit. And we got to do, I think, three classes before COVID. Okay. And, and now we're doing them on Zoom. And if you okay. can imagine doing improv on Zoom, you have to, There, there is a lag. So you have to like do something and then wait for the other person to respond. So it's, it's comical in that sense. Hi, Jamie. Jamie. Hi. Right. We're talking about improv and, and the benefit of Catherine doing her Zoom improv classes. So we were oh, yeah. Good, so we'll do a lot of yes and. Yes and. <laughs> yes and. Yes and, yes, yeah. a lot of that. Okay. So I'm not gonna share my screen because I think that screwed me up, but yeah. we expect grief to be very linear. We right. expect it to go from stage to stage to stage. But the truth of the matter is, it is chaotic. It is spiraling. We go from one stage to the other and back again. So for your mom, who's having trouble with this, you know, some days I bet she's probably okay. Or some hours, maybe she's okay. And then she probably experiences a whole other wave of grief and pain. So to be able to kind of ride that is really important. The other day I went to the grocery store and I don't know about you guys, but I am incredibly fearful when I go to the grocery store. And now like with the wearing of the masks, I hate it so much because I am a really friendly engaging human being. I want to connect. That's all I go for. And to be in the grocery store and not be able to smile at people makes me feel so uncomfortable and awful in addition to like being worried about germs. So I went to the grocery store. I walked in the house. I started yelling at my husband about where he was putting the bags. So I'm losing it. And then all of a sudden, I just start crying hysterically. And nothing happened. I just started crying. And I needed that. I've been numb for a long time. 
And what amazed me the most, my 22-year-old son um, came and just hugged me. He didn't pat my back. He didn't go like, shh. He just was there with it with me. He just stood there as long as I needed to cry. He said nothing. And I'll tell you, that was a really prideful moment for me that I thought, oh, my God, how is this 20-year-old man this capable in something this charged? And he was awesome. Most of us can't do that. Most of us want to fix. Most of us want to rescue. Most of us want to tell somebody why they're not doing it the right way. My wife and I had had several discussions about her just letting her vent and not me trying to fix it. So, uh, and that's, you know, a skill, I think it's, it's something that we have to learn over time. I believe, I mean, um, is just being able to listen and listening to listening and listen to listen, not respond. That is something that I think, uh, my wife has really tried to teach me (laughs) because I want to help her out. I want to fix some things for her if she's sad or upset or things like that. And, um, I think it's really well, cool. Her pain, yeah, it's really cool. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but her pain causes mm-hmm. you pain. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, yeah. true for most of us. We want to yeah. fix it because we want it to be over. Right. Well, yeah. And, and we humans aren't always comfortable with other people's pain. So we want to get out of it as quickly as we can. And I love what Michelle wrote. Yes. (laughs) The first lesson about death is everything is impermanent. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I saw that and I laughed when you posted it. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I have three brothers and one of my brothers always tells me that there is 100% chance that we will all die. And I used to go, thanks a lot, Robert. (laughs) That's not very nice. I don't want to think about that. But really in today's world, the honest to gosh reality right now is we actually have to think about that. I, I will be a little bit vulnerable here and tell you my journey of grief has been very odd for me. I usually am okay. I understand when I'm processing things. This morning I was on a, a radio interview and I, one of the other women on the interview started to tear up and I started to cry and then I was doing okay and, you know, just cranking through the day and being fine. And then I got on a phone call with one of my clients in New Jersey who owns and operates a skilled nursing facility and talked about how they know all the other people who own and operate and work in other facilities and they're dying their patients as well and and it's such it's such heartache uh, i don't know how these people are managing to even get through the day yeah and i started you know i held it together in the call but then hung up and cried right before we got on this so um, so can you talk a little bit about like there's there's so much wrapped up in there and i want to say one more thing and have you address this too there's moments where i have I want to call it survivor's guilt, where I have not lost my job. I have not, you know, I I have a home. My kids are here with us. We're okay. Yeah. I sometimes feel guilty for that. And I'm going to throw one more piece on that as well, too, is that I, my biggest fear right now is making a mistake in our protocols and our systems that we bring COVID into our residences. That is the one thing that keeps me up at night is that crack 
that could happen or will happen or may happen, what can I do to keep that as small as possible? Yeah. Well, I think this is all real. I wish I had a way to fix it. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Um, I think that that's, that's a big lesson that we're all getting is this yeah. is so hard and so huge. Yeah, Francis, I mean, I hear just what you're saying about being so fearful about bringing it in. You know, I'm working from home, so mm -hmm. I'm safe. And so, Kathy, I understand what you're saying about the survivor's guilt, too, because my coworkers who are funeral directors are not home. Mm -hmm. And they're not safe. And I have some survivor's guilt about that, where I, I'm doing the best I can to help them. But we have different roles. And I'm my role is not to be in that space. And I feel guilty about that. And I went in the office a couple of weeks ago. I was there for maybe two hours. And I found it terrifying. And I got out of there as quick as I can. And my coworkers have to be there every day. Francis, you're in that world too, that you have to be there every day. And, and you have that added layer of, are we bringing something in? How are we protecting our residents? We had a conversation um, with all the funeral directors talking about what do we do if we get sick? You know, if the funeral directors get sick, who's going to take care of things? And these people are working such long hours. We normally, you know, we're at already, um, we've had as many cases this month as a big month by the end of the month. And it's the 17th. You know, so we're going to probably double what we usually do. And we're a small little group of people. And I, I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how they're doing it. And I feel actively guilty that that's yeah. not something I do. Well, and, and let's, let's kind of talk through. So if we fast forward, I have my dog here, if you didn't hear that, um, we fast, if we fast forward a little bit and, and when we get out of this, the urgent situation with that we're in right now, and we start to move into the next phase, which is maybe I think stability, um, or getting restabilized, what does the, I'm just thinking about so many people have to have their guard up. I don't know how else to say this. People have their armor on right now. Um, we're going to need some time to let people decompress and fall apart a little bit in order to get themselves through this process and back together. Well, and hopefully they'll allow themselves to fall apart because that's the thing. I mean, you know, Kathy, when you're saying about survivor's guilt, like, you feeling guilty that you haven't had as many losses as some people have doesn't help those people. You know what I mean? Like you still need to be compassionate with yourself and give yourself empathy because that is what grows and allows you to give empathy to other people and then to write the check. Maybe if you can do that or, you know, to really do some things that actually do help those people. But you saying to yourself, how dare you feel bad? I don't know that you're saying this, but I, I do this. <laughs> um, you know, Jamie, you're fine. You know, I think about how anxious I'm feeling. And like you, I have a home. I have enough to eat. My children are here. We, my husband and I both have our jobs. Our 24-year-old who's also here also has his job. Yet 
it's really hard for us. And so I think, oh my God, it's just compounded. Every time I do laundry, I think, how are people doing it if they don't have a washer and dryer? Right. Well, maybe the bright spot that could come out from this is, is we start to accept the reality that we need processing time, that, that the idea of that physical wounds are the only thing that matter or, and that the emotional wounds, we, we, you know, we don't need the same type of healing process, right? Maybe that's my hope is that we start to realize that the emotional mental health healing takes as much, as much time as healing a broken arm or even longer. So maybe yeah. you know, what you're saying, Jamie, is that we're going to give ourselves the ability to vent a little bit or a lot, right? I mean, we could be venting a lot, um, but then also give ourselves that time to come together and heal together, to acknowledge that, yeah, this has been really awful. Like, you know, well, and what I, what I would say is not so much vent, because in my mind, the, the venting makes it seem like you get it out. Okay, what fair. I think is sit in it. Be in whatever the feelings are that you have. And those feelings can be anger. They can be fear. They can be anxiety. They can be disappointment. They can be frustration. They can be gratitude. Mm. They can be joy. All those things wrapped up together. And then recognize that we're not going to go back to normal. There's not a normal to go back to. And that's true with a death as a, a, an actual death of a loved one. There's mm -hmm. not a, a normal to go back to. We have to create a new normal. And actually, Kathy, if you wouldn't mind, you said the best analogy to me a few weeks ago. So if you wouldn't mind sharing what you said about that, I would yeah. Yeah, and I want to give credit to uh, my mom's best friend, one one of her many best friends, um, who shared with me as my mom passed and then my father last year, that um, we, oh, now I can't remember it, Jamie. <laughs> we, it's not that we get better, we, it's that we get better at it. That actually wasn't what I remember. That wasn't the one I was referring to. So you've gotten really good ones. That, that's we get better. Like we that. get better at it. I yeah. love that. But what you said that I was thinking of was that you're growing a new limb. Oh yes. So I, I said I. That's what I said to Jamie when I lost my dad. We had lost my mom in May. We lost dad in December, and. And it was just such a, a whirlwind of time where I did have my armor on. I had my emotional armor on. Once he passed, I realized, oh my gosh, I, I even said this to Francis once, I have my weekends free. It's weird. I, I feel like I've lost my arm and now I have to regrow a new limb, which is wonderful, which is what my parents would want. They would never want me. Nobody would want someone to, to spend time in grief after you've passed. No. Yeah. Do you think it's almost you're building a new routine is another way to look at it as well, too? Yeah. You're creating um, a whole new normal. You have to create a whole new new path to walk on because there isn't the old path. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important. And what I really love about the idea of growing a new limb is it is about growth. And that right there says this takes time. And I think we also have to recognize that there's not an end point to it. 
you know, that's the thing that we think about a lot. We use the word closure and we use the word get, get, get over it and get past it. And I don't think that's true. I think we integrate this loss. We integrate this learning into who we are. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Every, every lesson is a good thing. It's not always good in the moment. And what we're going through right now is not good. Yeah, yeah. we always feel good in the moment, but it, it strengthens our roots, right? It, it's, it strengthens the, the base of the tree. What is that? <laughs> Whatever that's called. We allow the trunk, that. The trunk. The trunk. The trunk. Yeah, if we allow it, I think that's true. And right now, there's so much to process for for many many people. Um, do you have advice for people who are unable to be with their loved one who has passed? You know, this is so so awful. You know, that's the thing that I've been thinking about so much is the idea that our loved ones are dying without us being able to be there. You know, for 11 years when I've been teaching classes, I teach a class called The Gift of Your Presence. And what I talk about is there aren't right words, there aren't the right things to say, just be physically present, put your hand on their shoulder, be available to them. And now we can't do that at all. There's so much loss in that. Um, and then people who are bereaved, that we're not able to be at the funeral, that we're not able to be at the wake, we're not able to bring them food, we're not able to be present for them. That's awful. And all I can hope is that it will teach us how important ritual is. You know, yeah. I have spent a long time talking about how most, many people, not most, Many people have moved away from religion. And so it makes them move away from ritual because, you know, religion has a lot of ritual, but ritual is important on its own. We don't really know that always. And so a lot of people now, because they don't necessarily have religion or religious connection, they think somebody died. There's a dead body. I got to get rid of the dead body. So they call the man with the van and they don't have any ritual at all and they don't have the opportunity to process their grief and a lot of that is that they don't want to process their grief so if they can just get rid of that dead body they think that they don't have to be in the hard place of grieving hmm. well now we are actually being cut off from the rituals we are being told that the rituals are not safe. We're having, when even people are having a funeral, we can't allow more than 10 people there. You know, we're, we work a lot with the Jewish community. The Jewish community does shoveling to bury the person. They have Shiva, which is going over to sit with the family for seven days. Mm. We can't do any of that. So I, I hope that that's gonna teach us that that's really valuable. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because not only, and so for those people who would normally go sit with the family, not only does the family have to grieve the loss of their loved one, but they're grieving the loss of their tradition, their ritual that 
would help them get through this. That's right. And the stories they would hear from their community. You know, I don't know about you, but, but when I go to a funeral, I think, and hear the stories, I think, wow, I wish I would have known that. And isn't it great that I get to hear all these things and we learn um, so much about our loved ones because we only know them in a certain way. So, so when we hear the stories from the people, we learn more about our loved one and we're not getting that now. It's, it's almost like we're compounding the grieving, right? It's not just grieving the loss of this person, but it's the loss with the inability to celebrate life or yes. the shivers or the other rituals that are part of your family's maybe history or your cultural yes. history. Wow. That's, that's a lot to kind of, I mean, that's a lot to take in when you put it that yes. way. Yes. Uh, I mean, are there tips or tricks to help people manage or cope with that at all? Or is it just something that you've got to be in the moment and just be in it? I, I haven't learned them yet. Um, <laughs> I, will say that I, I have one friend whose uncle died and they mm -hmm. did like a zoom wake. So they had 20 people or 30 people on a zoom call. Okay. And they each went through and told their stories. So thank God for technology yeah. that we could do it like this. Uh, I don't think that it is that it replaces um, in person, but it's all we got. And so it's better than not having any connection at all. I'm really inspired by the way people are using Zoom and other tools like it to to pull together and help us feel that we can, that we're there as much as we possibly can. I yeah. agree. I, and I don't know the answer. I don't know that you know the answer to this, um, but you know, we've had things like 9-11 happen where we've had a, a huge loss of life all at once. Our, I wonder if there are learnings from that, that we could be applying now that maybe we oh. don't we haven't really paid attention to 9-11. We, we definitely know it. We know, we all know where we were. We have heartache to varying degrees, depending on how close you were, if you were impacted directly. Um, but we were all impacted by it. So yeah. over time, we seem to forget our lessons and yeah. I wonder what are some of the lessons we can take? Well, to I do think that the kindness that was displayed to people, I mean, I remember how people just reached out to each other and they just recognized each other's humanity. Um, I remember I was walking home um, from my kids' school and I saw people who were um, very obviously Muslim, dressed in Muslim um, clothing. And I just felt really compelled to, to reach out to them because I, knew it was after we kind of knew who had hit the trip, the towers. And I just knew that they were getting some, some negative stuff. And I just wanted to give them some positive stuff right now. I'm feeling that with people who are Asian because, you know, lots of people are being very xenophobic about this disease. And, um, and so I'm feeling really compelled to, to reach out in that way to just kind of, say to people, I see you and I see your humanity and I want you to know that I honor your humanity. So I think that's one thing. That's great. And we can do that without physically being with someone. We can do it through our acts of kindness. They can be emails. They could be text messages. They could be a letter in the mail. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah, and when we see those negative things on social media and stuff, I hope that we all have the bravery to stand up against it 
and to stand next to people who need our support. Yeah, and I have seen some of that, so I'm really glad. Francis, yeah. it looks like we have a couple comments over there. I will get them up here. Thank you. I've been listening intently. I have kind of so comments. For people who don't know, Francis runs the show as he's on the show. So yeah. that's yeah. away a lot. Um, I'm impressed that you can type and oh. stuff at the same time. This is pretty good from Jenny. She's a, a very good friend. And hi, Jenny. Thanks for, for your comment here. What are the best words to say to console someone who can't be with their loved one who is dying? And this is one that's actually bothered me a lot that I'm not sure, you know, that one hits home a lot because that, I don't know, it's, to me, it's the most challenging thing to explain to somebody. Yeah. I, I'm at, so, a little bit at a loss of words when sometimes I can be pretty chatty at times. <laughs> no, that's the thing. There are not words to fix this. Right. That is the thing. There aren't words. I think that that's what happens to so many of us in regular grief. You know, now it's compounded for sure. Yeah. But even just in a normal situation, we feel like we should know the right thing to say. Mm -hmm. And so we say things like, you know, what we were talking about earlier, like we want to rescue people and we want right. to say at least he died doing something he loved, or at least you have another child, or at least you're still married or whatever. And I think right now it'd be easy for us to jump into that too. And I don't think we should be doing that. Quite honestly, I think the best thing is to just say, I am here for you. I don't know what to say. I'm here for you. What do you, what do you want to say? And if they, if they can't say something. So if I put myself in the situation of my, maybe my mom has dementia and she's in a home and there's nothing, there's no way I can communicate with her. Like my mom was uh, nonverbal the last two years of her life. So mm. it was all in the eyes. It was, yes. it was in her eyes and holding her hand and, yes. and hugging her and, you know, laying down with her and things like that. So right now all i would be able to do would be a facetime with her if she were mm -hmm. still here and even that would be me talking um and i think about you know it's true there are no words i think i would just say you know love i love you mom and do what i would have done in person i would have tried to tell her jokes to make her laugh for a moment and i know that doesn't answer your question jenny because you're talking about someone who's dying um but I think that what we're saying is there's no right way to do this. Yeah. There is no right way to do this. And I think that that's what happens to people, you know, kind of on the outskirts of it is they think, oh, there are magic words, but I don't know those magic words. And so I'm going to go away or yeah. I'm going to say something stupid, <laughs> you know, like the at least the rescuing. What yeah. I would just say, I mean, I think it's okay to just say, oh my God, this sucks. Yeah. This sucks. I think reminding them that you're here for them, whether it's virtually over the phone or when we get the stay at home place lifted, we're here. We might not be able to physically be here together, but we can physically connect socially through FaceTime or Google Hang, whatever other platform you're using. And I think that I'm here. If you got to call me at two in the morning and just cry and I'll listen to you cry, you know, whatever it is, I might not be able to hug you right now or console you physically, but I'm here to listen. And I think as we Absolutely. talked earlier, 
is going away from what your son did for you is not say anything, just listen and, and let you vent how, not vent, sorry, let you share whatever it is that you need to release with us just being there to support you. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think one of the things to do is not say, um, like, call me if you need anything. Right. Because A, they don't know what they need. Fair and point. then we're putting the onus on them. But to check in with them regularly. You know, I'm going to just call you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I'm going to call you the next day. Yeah. It's a great I, question, Ginny. You're making us think. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's a great yeah. question. And, uh, I used yeah. I used to do that with my dad. I would call him uh, when mom went nonverbal. Um, I would just call him each night and say, Dad, I'm just checking in. Just checking mm -hmm. in. How's your day? Good. Okay. Well, great. I'm going to check in with you tomorrow, too. It could be that short sometimes. And, and that's all he needed. I'm kind of curious, too, about where are we going to take this, this virtual communication technology? Is there going to be a chance that I could slip on a glove you put on a glove and I can feel you squeezing your pressure on my hand. I don't know. just made me think of it when you said, you know, uh, it's like the I know. A virtual plastic bubble. Maybe Pardon? remembers that movie with John Travolta. The boy in the bubble. I remember it very well. Younger, I do remember of it. Oh, you weren't born yet, Francis. I will tell you, you know, I had um, my older son who's here now, Mm -hmm. um, lived in LA for two years and he was really having a hard time. And when we would talk on the phone, I would say, I am hugging you right now. Can you feel me hugging you? And then um, I would just be quiet and I would send him the hugging energy. Uh, and he, cool. you know, he would say, yeah, I feel it. You know, it was like, but we would just be there together on the phone where I was, I don't know, just, telling him what I would, what I wished I could do, you know, that I was wanting to hold him real tight or he loves getting his head rubbed. So I would say I'm rubbing your head now. And it That's helped, cool. it yeah. helped. But I think that some of that has to do with like being able to be um, real vulnerable. It does. You know, and, and I couldn't make myself vulnerable enough to say those things to him and he could be vulnerable enough to receive it. Yeah, to to be able to be with someone in their own emotions, whatever their emotions are, just be with them, yeah. just to be with them. Yeah. yeah, and not fix it. And this is an interesting, a great comment by Michelle here about, yeah. um, you know, about things that happen when we care for older adults, right? This, this take the choice and grief away from, from elders and the staff and, um, that is interesting because I think you mentioned it is it's kind of on to the next step or the next thing that I have to do. But I do think sometimes, and I, you know, I struggle with this is, um, how do you process death when you see a lot of death? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I mean, I, you know, I've been in long-term care for, for 10 years and I am a firm believer if we do our jobs, majority of our residents are going to pass hopefully naturally under our care. Um, and so, you know, yeah, how do you still process it as it should be processed, but not just becoming rote in the process of dying? I think that's something that's a challenge at times. It is a challenge. And what I see a lot is that people who work in our worlds will say things like, well, it's just my job. It's just my job. I'm fine. It's just my job. And yeah, yeah. it's your job. 
But you know what? The truth of the matter is the reason you do this job is because you're a kind, compassionate, caring human being. Mm. And so to get to allow yourself to feel it is okay. Mm -hmm. It is okay to allow yourself to be in pain about this. I'll tell you that, uh, you know, when I had this conversation with the staff of our funeral home and we were just talking about what happens if anybody gets sick, I cried with my staff and I'm just able to be what I am. And, and my staff is able to allow that. You know, I remember years ago, we had a funeral director who, when I would go to a funeral, I would allow myself to tear up. And she said, oh, funeral directors don't cry. And I said, they do. And I'm going to. I, and I hope they do. I hope they do. I, it, it's crazy to say that another human being wouldn't cry when they're sad and, and yes. impacted by something like death. And I don't go cry to the family that's bereaved. <laughs> right. I don't go make them take care of me. Right. But, you know, quite honestly, I was on the phone with somebody whose mom died and he could hear that I was crying. And, you know, like I wasn't weeping at him, but he could hear it in the in my voice. And he said, I appreciate those tears. That meant something to him that I care enough about him and about his mom who had died to be in it with him. Yeah. Maybe that's another thing that's going to come out of this is we're going to be able to be there for each other and not put this guard up, right? That it, that. Why can't I be sad or show emotion for, you know, Jamie, maybe you losing someone or Catherine or, or yes. my neighbor. Why do I have to have this, this, this persona that only the tough survivor or I, God forbid, I show any compassion or uh, empathy. I'm a weaker person. What I think is really interesting is we tell people be strong. Yes. And what we mean by that is don't show emotion. You know what? Yeah. The yeah. most courageous people, the strongest people are oh. that allow themselves to feel because feeling is hard. Having yeah. it down is easier. Yeah. Ignoring it, pretending it doesn't exist is a yeah. lot easier than, than moving through it. And that's what we're all doing here. And we should probably start wrapping up. We're at 42 minutes already because it's well, we been had a, we had a lot of good five to seven minutes of technical difficulty there. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's been just such an incredible conversation. We'll have to bring you back, Jamie, because I really want to keep, because I think this, we're, you know, you're putting yourself out there. I feel like Catherine is, we're talking about ourselves and what we're dealing with, you know, mentally, physically right now through, through the challenges. And I think it's important that other people know to share this, to, to, to share this idea. And sorry, my kids sorry. are in the back. That's great. No. Well, we're doing oh, we're we're loving. Loving. That's all right. But that's what we have to model. We're modeling our full humanity. And since it's, you're now modeling your full humanity, you are more than just the person in front of it. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah. So great oh we've got a new i want to give a shout out to nicolette so she's nicolette, watching from uh, farmington new mexico oh we're so glad you joined nicolette and i hope you got your questions answered if you have questions after the show please post them we'll get in touch with jamie yeah. and get answers 
Um, I just kind of, I, I want to just take a minute and summarize a little bit what we talked about over this time. Um, one, that grief is not linear and it does not always follow specific stages. That maybe there's broad categories for stages, but mm -hmm. it's all over the place and it's up and down and you go backwards and you go forwards and maybe you have all of those emotions at once, yes? So yeah, it's uh, so be kind to yourself. It's not linear, uh, yes. well said, well said. I think that's an important thing. And I think another important thing you said, Jamie, is there are no right ways and there are no right words. You, the yes. best thing you can do is just to be with someone in yes. their grief, just be with them. Yes. Yeah. And that means being with yourself with this now. You know, yeah. we are all grieving. And what grief does is it brings a little gray helmet over your brain and you're not fully yourself you're not fully able to do stuff you know like right now i am having a really hard time paying attention to things mm. i'm having a hard time thinking and it is really because i'm grieving and i'm in the depth of trauma and that's okay it's awful and I want it all to be fixed for all of us, but it is. It just is what we're having to do. Yeah. Can you? Can you? Can we um, wrap up with one of the analogies that you shared with me right before we went live with mm -hmm. the? I think the boats. Oh, I'd love to. So I heard this. I thought this was perfect. This is a woman named Brittany Packnett Cunningham said this that. We are all, you know, we hear people say, oh, we're all in the same boat. That's not what's true. What's okay. true is that we're all in the storm and we each are in a different boat. And some of us are in a hundred foot mm. yacht and some of us are in a holy um, rowboat. Some of us are just on hanging on to a piece of wood. Some of us are literally just treading water. Interesting. So, really important to recognize that while we're all facing a lot, we're all facing it in different ways. And we don't know how other people are doing it. And it's real important for us to acknowledge that and to give them space to share what how it's affecting their their life and not assume we are all doing it the same way. That's powerful. That's really powerful. I love that one. That. That's a great, great way to look at it. Yeah. And the other thing, that just is for regular, regular grief too. You know, like often somebody will say, oh, my mom died. And we mirror and we go, oh my God, my dog died. You know what I mean? We're trying to connect, but we're not, even if we have the same exact loss, we're never going to experience it the same. And that's just really important. And so we never know how somebody feels. And it's real important to say, will you share with me how you feel? Well said. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. Thank you. And before we wrap up, I always we always like to try to give a, a brief little thank you to our to our frontline workers, you know, to the healthcare professionals <laughs> yes. and all those public service people out there. And even, you know, I think sometimes forgotten, you know, the, the funeral directors and the mailmen and the male ladies and the women and, yes. and the UPS and the FedEx drivers and, yes. and all those that are grocery working, stores. The grocery stores. So that includes them as well too. So I want to make sure that we acknowledge not just our healthcare professionals, because obviously that that's important, but 
they're important too. That supply chain is is very important for all of us. And I think it's important to to keep them in mind as well too. So a big thank you uh, to all that are participating to keep this shit moving forward because we are in it together. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so thank much you. for joining us. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Great to see you. Thank you so much.